The scripture reading for today is taken from the Gospel of Luke. We'll read together, once again, going over the parable of the sower from Luke chapter 8, the verses 4 to 15. And our text for today is the verses 16 to 18. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. So Jesus has begun to travel around from place to place, and he's been preaching to the crowds. He's become an itinerant preacher, which is to say that he has no home base anymore, but uh, he travels, travels around from one location to another, and as he later says, uh, the Son of Man has, has no place to, to lay his head, no, no permanent residence anymore. During this time, we come to verse 4, when a great multitude had gathered and they came to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest that is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what, we see, what he seems to have will be taken from him. So far the word of God.
beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about the first part of, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that part focused on how you receive the word. Our Lord Jesus began with a parable of the sower. When his disciples gathered around him after he had told this parable of the sower who goes out to scatter seeds in all these different places, they immediately asked him, what does it mean? His response, first and foremost, was, that is the kind of attitude that I'm looking for when it comes to my teaching. To such people as as come to him and are asking to learn more from him. He says, this is the kind of person that I am teaching. That's why his response in verse 10 is, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And then he follows them up with the explanation of his parable, warning of the unfruitful ways that there are to to listen to his word as he speaks to them. Don't come with hearts already hardened, he said, or the devil will swoop in and pick it up, fearing, just in case you might believe and be saved. Don't come with a response that's driven by emotions alone, A response which springs up full of joy at first. But since it's not deeply rooted in the teachings of God, it withers away at the first hint of temptation. Beware of coming, he said, so wrapped up in the worries and cares of the world that you're immediately holding up the word and these words and worries and cares and saying, yes, but what about this problem and, and what about that problem in relation to the word? And the word gets choked out as your focus changes from the promises of God to to the cares and worries of the world. All of those are ways in which believers can struggle, the Lord warns. And he knew this of his disciples, which is why he, he warned them of all of these different ways that the word can be received. But we remember Jesus' promise And we hear his call, by his grace, to prepare our hearts and listen to his word intently and joyfully, seeking, as the disciples did in the earlier verses, to learn from our Lord. By his grace, as we come to him, as he teaches us, we receive the word with, as the Lord puts it in verse 15, a noble and good heart keeping it and bearing fruit with patience. As we come to him in this way, he does bless us, and it does spring up in our hearts by his grace, and it begins to change us from the inside out. That's how our Lord taught us to receive his word. That's what we looked at last Sunday. But what do we do after we have received the word after we've received what he has said. The word then translates to action. Our Lord Jesus Christ follows that up with our text from verses 16 to 18. And he teaches us there, take heed how you hear. First of all, we see how the word comes from Christ's lips to our lives. And second, that the reward is greater than the cost.
Our Lord doesn't just begin with the command. When he was on earth, he himself quickly translated words to action. From an early age, he already saw how important the word was. As a child, in Luke chapter 2, he yearned to be in his heavenly Father's house, hearing his words taught. He sat in the temple and he listened to the teachers, asking them questions that astonished them. He sat with that, with that heart that was a fertile field, the words of his Father in heaven, and translating those words to actual action was so important to him. As he grew older, this didn't change. He faithfully proclaimed the coming of the kingdom. We read of the mindset that he had towards his work on earth described in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10 verse 9, it says, Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. And we see this carried right out to the end of his life on earth, where he was kneeling in the garden of Gethsemane, praying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Luke 22, verse 42. Christ knew what it would mean for him to translate words into actions. He knew what it would mean to be obedient to the Scriptures, to be obedient to the God of the Scriptures, to fulfill the Scriptures, the laws and prophecies of the Old Testament. He would need to be obedient to the point of death, and he was obedient to the point of death. So he opens up the next section of his words to his disciples with this already in mind, he himself is taking these steps. And he says to them, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. But he sets it on a lampstand that those who see may enter and see the light. When he opens his teachings to his disciples with these words, he knows the cause. He knows the cost not only to his people, but what it would cost himself. The lamp is the word of God. More specifically in our passage today, the lamp is the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now he calls on them not just to hear, but he calls his disciples to take this and bring it to life in their lives. He calls them to a life of faithful obedience, not holding back and not hiding what he has taught them. He calls his people to live this way as he himself has already lived this way. Just as his teaching of the gospel has benefited us, so too he wants it to shine to those who are around us. And as we look back on it, we can think indeed of how much our lives have changed through the gospel. In fact, that it has impacted the way we live our relationships with our siblings, with our parents, with our children, 
the way that it changes how we interact with finances, the way that it changes how we view our place in this world. It touches every area in our lives. It's a light that's not hidden for us. It's not put under a bed or in a dark corner under a bowl. But it's a light that does already shine through our whole house. It touches everything. No part of life remains untouched as his teaching goes out. It's to inform our whole way of living. But there's something that's something else that we can notice about this light. And it's a beautiful thing. This light is not something that we bring out of ourselves. This light is not something that comes from within ourselves, something that we have to supply before God. Rather, it's something that He has already given us. If it was from ourselves, we might have reason to fear. If it was from ourselves, something that we had to supply as we go into the world, we might have reason to draw back. After all, what if somebody comes in and sees it as lacking? What if someone comes in and sees us as falling short? But the beautiful thing about the light is that it is a gift from Him. And so as it comes into our lives and as it's put on display and it shines a light on all the imperfections and all the shortcomings in our lives, then as other people come in and they see that, then we have no reason to shrink back in fear and no reason to be ashamed, but rather we show them that, yes, it is the light that has exposed this in our lives. It was given to us for our benefit And by it, our need is revealed, and by it, we are changed. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but he sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. Christ's words and teachings are a gift to us, and he reminds us to receive it in that way and to put it on display. There's another beautiful thing that we can see when it comes to the light. It's the fact that by it, we may see. By this light, we may see. And this is important. Because we can have it sometimes that there are areas in our life that we would rather not be exposed to the light and that there are areas that we would hide from the light. But if we compare it to a light in the ancient world that is put in a dark home when there are no other electrical lights in the world around, and we think about the need for somebody who is living in that kind of a situation to be able to see all of the dark corners of their home, then we can see how there is a certain amount of foolishness that would go into lighting a lamp and then putting it somewhere where it doesn't shine its light. Again, we shine Christ's teachings on our lives in order to better see our own need. He gives us the ability to see the dark corners of our lives and then calls us to use this light, to light our way, to avoid stumbling blocks and to pursue holiness. It's a gift that guides our feet as we grow in holiness. 
It's a gift that we won't be able to hide either, he says in verse 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. What he says and teaches will touch every aspect of your life, he says. So there's no point in going out of our way to hide it. This is a reminder to us that his word is beneficial to us and will change and shape our life in a good way. There's also a certain amount of inevitability to it as well. When you receive the word, as in the parable of the sower, in the good soil, receiving it with a a noble and good heart, keeping it and bearing fruit with patience, you'll come to see that it won't touch your life alone either. But that others will come in, and others will be able to see the change as well. By it, others may enter and see the light. When we receive the word of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives and in our homes, like in the parable of the sower, and when it goes from Christ's lips to our lives, then we are taught that it becomes a blessing to others as well. Christ himself knew this as he lived out as he lived this out in his own time on earth, as he lived on the earth as the light of the world. He knew this as he gave the blessing of redemption and of forgiveness and new life in him to the world. And now he calls us to shine that very same light as well as others enter into our lives. By joyfully having Christ on display in our lives, we are able to speak to them. We are able to speak of forgiveness and redemption. And we're able to share the light of God's revelation. The light who came into the world and became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We're able to share how he shapes and forms us by his power. Now this last thing is something that's not always going to be easy. Again, as we see the word of Christ, where he says nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light as we have the light on display in our lives. We can also recognize that it's going to have this kind of an impact for other people as well. There are those in the world who won't like it. People who come alongside in life and who start to realize that your life is different from theirs. Co-workers who make fun of you. People maybe at school who say, why do you live like that? But the reason they respond this way is because it's exposing something in themselves. It's exposing something in their own hearts. And they don't like that. But here our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us, that's okay. That for us shouldn't be a reason to hide that light under the basket. That's okay. It's meant to reveal things. It's meant to allow things to become known and come to light. Yes, by Christ's light we can see and others can see. 
Christ's light is the light that shines in the darkness, the light that brings good into our dark world. But he doesn't just leave us with showing the good that that light can do for us and for others. He also shows us the great reward that we can receive as this light truly begins to shine more and more brightly in our lives every day. And this is the second teaching that comes out of our verses today, that there is a reward greater than the cost. That cost. We can think again to the response of others who are there in the world who don't like the light exposing their lives. We don't even necessarily have to live it out uh, or speak, speak into their lives. We don't necessarily have to even preach to them for them to feel convicted by the way that we live our lives. Of course, where the gospel give, is, has an opportunity to, to go, where we have the opportunity to speak into, our li- into others' lives, then for sure we desire to, to make the most of that. But we recognize that as the gospel is on display in our lives, there are those who will feel convicted simply by the way that we live our lives, simply by the fact that we don't join in. And the light of the gospel shining through our lives can make them uncomfortable. This, to us, seeing their response, seeing the way that they react to us, can make us feel that there is a cost. That there is a cost to following Christ. Now, Christ doesn't deny that in the words that follow here in our passage. He says, For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. With these words, he doesn't deny that there's a cost to following him. But he gives us both a warning and a gift of grace in these words. At first glance, these words can almost seem threatening. If you're not reading carefully, it can come across as, do what I say, or even what you have will be taken from you. But if that's all that we take from these words here, him standing over us in judgment, threatening us to make us obey or else, we'll have missed the point of this parable of his completely. There is a certain amount of warning in his words to be sure. We ought to take his words seriously, loved ones. When God teaches us how to live and we don't listen, he doesn't hesitate to discipline us for our own good. We recognize this. We don't balk at this. We're quite in agreement with the author of Hebrews when he writes, What son is there whom a father does not chasten? We have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? We recognize that it's good that God disciplines us because he shows us by that 
that he cares for us. He shows his fatherhood. He rescues us from greater harm and danger by his warnings. And so we take his words seriously as we read them. For whoever has to him more will be given. And whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. But we read it as a warning from a father who cares about the outcome of our lives. So, what is our Lord Jesus Christ saying here? If you try to hold on to unimportant things, he says, you can lose everything. As we look at people who are around us in the world who react uncomfortably to the light of Christ that is on display in our lives, and we try to, to hold on to something that can keep them close, then we can run the risk of losing everything. The picture that's given here, whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. The picture that's, that's given here is like a fire drill at school. It's a reminder like you boys and girls have at the fire drill at school. When you are taught to run out as, or to, to file out carefully as you hear that, that fire drill, are you told, don't forget to get your gym shoes. Don't forget to get your books on your way out. No, you're not. You are taught to leave your belongings in your locker. You are taught to leave everything behind and to calmly file out of your classroom and onto the field, to the place where all the other students are meant to gather. We are told here that all of our concerns about relationships and about things in this world and about prestige, the things that bring us honor in this world, are not things that we need to hold onto tightly. They are things that we can let go. Whatever it is, no matter what it is, it won't help you if you value it more than obedience because it can't save you. It's like trying to hold on to those gym shoes in a burning building. Wealth, relationships, money, power, influence, you can't take that with you beyond this life. And although you seem to have it now, you won't have it forever. The danger that comes from pursuing these idols above obedience to Christ is not something to take lightly. And so we are to take Christ's warning here seriously. Whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. If we don't have the lights, if we don't have Jesus Christ, if we don't hold fast to him, then even the things that we seem to have will eventually be taken from us. And we'll lose everything. That boy or that girl who holds on to their gym shoes in the burning building won't have those gym shoes for long. But while the warning is true here, the main point of our Lord Jesus' words 
are not the warning itself. Rather, it's the reward that is promised, the reward that lies ahead of us. It's how much greater the reward that he promises is than anything that we could gain here on earth by hiding that light under a bed or under a bowl. What a comfort that is. The reward. Those are the words that are spoken when he says, for whoever has, to him more will be given. Now maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking of what you could be in danger of losing. You're thinking of the words of Christ and you're thinking of having him on display in his life. You're thinking of the responses of all those other people in the world around you. And you're thinking how it might be easier to to hide certain parts of your life from those people. Maybe you fear like there are things that are in your life that are too much to give up. And having him on display like that will force you to give, him, to, to give those things up. Maybe you are thinking back to a relationship or maybe you are thinking back to an extra bit of money that could be coming in or, or a, a friendship if you were only to hide certain parts of your life from them, certain parts that were shaped by Christ. And you want to give up that mindset. You want to remain faithful. You you want to submit your life to Jesus Christ because you need to give that up. But you are scared. You don't know what the future holds. Am I going to lose this relationship? Am I going to be financially unstable? Christ gives us a promise here. Whoever has, to him, more will be given. How do we see that brought to life? Well, for him, in his case, it was his brothers and his mother that at this point in time couldn't accept his teachings. They struggled with what he taught. And in one case, they tried to fool the crowds and said, if you look at one of the parallel accounts, that, that he was out of his mind and they were trying to, to bring him in, to uh, drag him away from the crowds and to bring him into a more safe atmosphere. We read here in verses 19, 20, and 20 what he would have to Give up. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But what was his answer? He answered and he said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. There are those who have come in the past, who, who have come to, to church and who have come as, as new converts, new Christians, and they feared that they would lose everything as they came to church. And 
in, indeed, if I look back at one of the friends that I have, he's from the Middle East. He did lose everything. His, his family disowned him. His family denied him. And uh, they, they cut off all relationships with him at the time. And he had to flee for his life. He flew to Canada. And this particular young man, he ended up giving up everything for the sake of Christ. His, his financial stability, his relationships at home. But he had Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the one that he held tightly to. And so he came to Canada and he was received by a church with open arms. His family, which had been small, suddenly became large. His family, which was made up before of maybe a dozen people, expanded to hundreds of people who loved him and who looked out for him and who cared for him. Whoever has to him more will be given. Our Lord Jesus Christ displayed this in the way that he even interacted with his own family who would not accept him for who he was at that point in time. And we can see this happening in the rest of life as well as people are embraced by the family of God. So our Lord Jesus Christ reminds us that the reward that he gives is so much greater than the sacrifice. What does he give? First of all, he gives the promise of himself. Yes, you might feel like you are losing people or relationships or opportunities in the present, but Jesus says, I am with you. Hebrews 13, verse 5, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He gives you himself in the here and now to strengthen you in your present situation. And he gives you to himself for eternity. Or his Father gives you to himself for eternity. He gives you the forgiveness of sins, a right relationship with himself, his own constant and abiding presence. In the second place, he gives you the communion of saints, brothers and sisters to, with whom you are joined in a special way, with whom you have communion, as our Heidelberg Catechism puts it in Lord's Day 21. Believers, all and everyone, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. And in the second place, they have communion with each other as well. It says, and everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. It's this communion of saints that reaches out in love. There is honor in serving together with our brothers and sisters, pursuing the same goal of the glory of God, of shining the light of Christ side by side. Third, he is renewing and changing you every day for his glory. And each and every day as you seek to shine his light, his word in your life, he will draw you closer to him and closer to his people here on earth. 
And so, in light of that, we think of these words in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 and 8 to 18. And in light of what Jesus has said, whoever has to him more will be given. We think of these words from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we do not lose heart in this present age. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Indeed, whoever has to him more will be given. And so, loved ones, yes, there are warnings to not hear in Christ. It's true. But he teaches us to hear and apply his word because he wants us to know that there are rich blessings as we come to put our trust in him and to follow him in obedience as well. When we listen to Christ, when we listen to God's word, when we take joy in having it shine through every parts of our lives, we are blessed and we are able to be a blessing to others, both now and eventually by His grace eternally. Amen.